Welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. My name is Caitlin. My name is John. And welcome to the Riverdale Register. John, I have a question. Yeah. Do you want to know what it is? I. Is it, how did you know to go straight to that right away? I know. I, I was really impressed with myself, <laughs> Who honestly. are you? What have you done with my co-host? Here's the thing, John. She's usually confused right now. I really like to keep you on your toes, just this whole podcast. That's why I saved it for this moment. It was a strategic planning. Yeah. So this comes from Cassia. Um, and I like this question because I think sometimes we talk like directly about the show, but I thought this was just fun because this is just an opinion question. What's a better date? Reading short stories together or a peep show in the windows. <laughs> See, there you go. As someone who has been on many dates where you do both of those things, what, what did you prefer? <laughs> what was the preferred activity? Oh, boy. That's a big question. Yeah. And I feel like I'm telling on myself depending on what I pick. I feel like, why can't it be both? You know? I mean, you can be on the phone reading short stories while having a peep show. Uh, my preferred date is sitting in front of someone as they write for comic book stories about nice. how they misunderstand my gender. I love that. I also, I'm going to say, you know, as a feminist, yeah. what wave, who knows, I think that that Veronica was a little bit harsh on Jughead, or perhaps the writing was not clear enough to indicate mm-hmm. why she was so upset. I don't know. It sounds like the Tabitha Jughead date does go much better. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. So, clearly, reading aloud stories <laughs> works. Sometimes it does. I do think it was that was a little bit of Tabitha being like, listen, you're going to read stories by a black author. I want to be here so I can correct you yes, and help I think, you understand this correctly. I think that's fair because I feel like Jughead probably will need some correction. But, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't there. I hope the date went well. I love Tabitha so much. She's just, I know she's a literal angel, but like, she is such an angel. And she is not in this episode. She's not in this episode. I'm starting to wonder, she's not supporting Jughead through this grief process. What's going on there? I don't know. Hmm. Has she murdered him? Is that what you're saying? She's a murderer? I wasn't, you know, that's an interesting thought. That's a rumor mill we could get into later, but... I did not think that initially. I thought that they just did not have the actress. So Aaron was busy. Yeah, it makes you wonder if they filmed out of order and last week's episode yeah. was shot later. Well, it's possible. Also, fun fact, they are taking a break. June 14th will not... There's no new episode, allegedly June 14th. Right. And they're going to run out of episodes before the writer's strike gets solved. So what I've heard is that they're still filming. Mm. I don't know if that's true or if that's not true, but... I would not be... Stop threatening me with that. I need you to tell me they finished (laughs) filming. It's done. It's done. It's finished, John. You're good. You're safe. You're safe Right, because there's only four more episodes in a normal 13-episode final season. Right, of course. Like a sane show like The Flash did. I know. I know. You know, we can't can't always get what we want, which would have been four more episodes of the show. (laughs) And no more than that. I know. I know. But we love being here with you all. And I know that we're not literally here with you all, but every time I look at the mic, I feel like it's anthropomorphic. Did I say that right? Anthropomorphic. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. John, who it's wrote like this? We're, it's like we're there with you in, I assume, the car? The car, on your bike, on your motorcycle. During your walk. Yeah. I do wonder who listens to this <clears throat> and, and how. At the gym? Yeah. Today, my, my grandpa and I were talking. Okay. So, I brought this up to you Context. You have a grandfather. I have a grandfather. He's great. Um, so, my... Okay, the long story of this is my family and I play a game where we put um, 
it's kind of like password, but we all write down like nouns and we put it into a bucket. It's called bucket of fun. And we pick up the, a piece of paper and then you have to get the, your partner to answer as many, um, of the, get, get as many of the answers within 60 seconds. So you just have to describe the thing on the paper. And so there's always like a big, um, like generational divide when we play this game because like i'll put like kim kardashian and everyone's like i have no idea who this is right, right. You know? how do you explain that to your grandfather exactly and it's also <laughs> a hard name to just guess because like how do you whatever so my grandpa one year put the tingler and everyone was like what is the tingler anyway it has it has come up now in my life so many times and ironically my grandpa sent me a screenshot of an article in a magazine that was describing like these things that Veronica was doing where they would have like sound effects and like stuff like that in movie theaters, literally like right before this episode. And then he also mentioned the tingler like in that same paragraph, which I thought was really funny. So I said, oh, that's so funny. I was watching Riverdale and this whole thing came up. And then he said, what is Riverdale? Which is, <laughs> as we all know, that's been the question we've been asking for 126 right. episodes now. What, what is Riverdale? And he's like, oh, where can I listen to your podcast? And I was like, you don't have to do Ooh, that. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a hard... It's it's not that we're not proud of the work oh, no, we've done here. Oh, no. I'm so proud of it. It's just like... So much to explain. The onboarding <laughs> is so high. Exactly. I actually, I went to a podcast meetup with people that I was invited to by a friend who does like um like unscripted podcast stuff. And so I met a bunch of people who did like true crime podcasts and like other things like that. And so I was talking to people and they were like, oh, do you do podcasts? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I have this podcast. Um, we've been doing it for like six years. And the person was like, well, what is it about? And I was like, well, we it's about Riverdale. <laughs> and we talk you about- can see people turn off at that point, <laughs> right? And they're always like, oh, I don't watch that show. Right. I guess I could watch it to listen to your podcast. And then I'm, and I'm like, like you know absolutely not. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, it's like, if you're not in it now, it's okay. That's, yes. Not the, it's not a lack of love for what we've done or the audience that we've built. It's no, that no. it is impossible to just send someone your latest episode of this and be like, right. come on, join the party. Right, exactly. So, but I do hope, I hope that when this show goes into like complete syndication somewhere in this five podcast? years. Well, I'm sure, obviously, <laughs> we'll get picked up for that. No question. But I do think Riverdale will eventually like be on a new streaming platform and somebody will be like, Riverdale, I'm watching it from the beginning. And then it'll be like a thing again. And that's when we'll thrive again. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll and that's when we'll make and the we'll big bucks. Keep keep paying that SoundCloud exactly. premium until then. We'll figure that part out. But, you know. <laughs> Maybe there's a way to get around that. We could beg them. We can send an email to SoundCloud. You know, maybe like culturally relevant things get a pass. Library of Congress. Right. Oh, that's a great idea. I'll that's call them. We'll get. Yeah. yeah, I'll call the Library of Congress. This is chapter 126. Wow. <laughs> wow. Betty and Veronica Double Digest. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Double Digest is a really long comic book. But Betty and Veronica... Obviously, it's a section of Archie Comics where we hear stories from Arthur. The the title is um, Archie's Archie's Best Girls or something. Is like the it's like the slogan or something. It's like well, Betty and Veronica is a series. Yes, but and like they would release double digests, right? Which, which are, are bigger comic books, like an annual. In a lot of comic books, you'll have twelve issues a year of whatever series you read, and then. When it's when it's when they want to get like an extra special issue out every year, they'll do like an annual, which I assume is similar to a double digest. It's like bigger and yeah. less usually less connected to an ongoing storyline. If Benny and Veronica ever had one of those, which I doubt. 
I, so this is what the <clears throat> was I was referring to. So it's like Betty and Veronica is like the big the big font on the page. The title. And then in small letters, Archie's girls, and I hate that. They are okay. they are not So you're you're referring to the image on the Wikipedia entry for it, which may not be <laughs> uh, the same for every single cover of Betty and Veronica. It may not be, however. But okay. that that it, it also could be because you know they put out like Fantastic Four and it'll be like the world's greatest comics magazine and like that'll be the thing on it for the, for a while. And I think a lot it's, of them have yeah. these slogans. Yeah, I think that it's um, the newer ones do not have that. Of course, but the but older like back ones in the day, it's also do. that like branding thing of like we have to put Archie in it yes. in the title somewhere so they know. Which is just like how you get movies today, like Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, where I'm like, please take the... It doesn't make sense. Kill that. Just call it Glass Onion. If it's someone's first Knives Out movie, you know what movie they're going to love? Knives, Knives Out. Out. You can send it to them right afterwards. Did you prefer Knives Out or the other one? Well, this, I mean, why are, do they have to be compared to one another? They're very different movies. I like the second one. Look, Knives Out <laughs> feels more like a movie that can win an Oscar. That didn't mean I didn't have an absolute blast watching Glass Onion. I love Kate Hudson. It doesn't surprise me one bit. I know. This, this makes perfect sense really... and tracks with everything I've ever known about you. I one time interviewed Kate Hudson, and this is my favorite thing about her. She was eating a sandwich, driving a car, and doing the interview at the same time. And I was like... That sounds is... not safe. No, it was... and there was like so much honking in the background. Yeah. I was like, I love you. Why were you... <laughs> this, is my... this is what I would do, and I think that's why I loved it. She was great. Yep. <laughs> and she gave me a good interview. What website was that for? Uh, that was for my website that I work for now, Yahoo. Oh, that's great. So you yeah. can promote it now. I can promote it. Yeah. Yes, it's already out. Yes. But this was a long time ago. Stella, that was her ear slapping, if anybody heard that. They know by now, right? They know. This Thank episode you. was written by Will Ewing, who previously wrote on seasons three and four, but hasn't written since season four. Interesting. Their season four episode was Fast Times at Riverdale High. Oh, that's when there were Fast Times. Is that true? Do I don't you, remember. You don't actually know that for sure. Archie forges a new beginning for Mad Dog. Wow. Wow. That name I've not heard in a minute. What happened to that man? A comet. A comet? It happened to everybody. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Jughead receives a special offer, whatever that means. Sure. Veronica pays for her parents' mistakes. Oh. Fresh content there. Yes, always. Cheryl goes head-to-head -head with the school's new principal. Oh, is that the sexy principal? No, that was the sexy cheerleading coach. Who was the new principal? Honey, Mr. Honey. Mr. Honey, I'm so sorry. You, you forgot about that time they killed Mr. Honey? For no reason. And it was like he was just a nice guy doing his best. They as didn't we... actually kill him either. You know, that whole season I'm realizing now was a lot of, you think this thing is really bad, but it's not. It was all fake outs. You think some plot is happening, but... There is no plot. There's, there's no plot happening. That was crazy. Uh, and then the last episode they wrote in season three was chapter 54, Fear the Reaper. Oh my god, I don't remember that. I bet is the the Joneses engage in a gripping journey. Archie faces criminal consequences. Betty unpacks a string of shocking revelations about Evelyn. This was probably when we realized that Evelyn was an adult. This is probably the moment we learned what the farm actually is. Yes. I would fear the Reaper. Mm -hmm. This episode was directed by Alex Pillai, who directed an episode last season, The Witches of Riverdale. Also wrote an, or also directed an episode of Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin last season. 
and two episodes of Bridgerton season two. So I've not seen second season of Bridgerton except for the TikTok clips, and those look very. Nice. I don't. I, I can't say for sure how many TikTok clips this person is directing. Yeah, it's just that's how they do it, right? They that's direct the, in TikTok. It's going to be in the IMDb soon. Is yes. every TikTok that features their directing? Amazing. I did see that Pretty Little Liars Carnival of Souls episode though, and I mm-hmm. thought that was a very well directed episode. It's good. Yeah, I actually wrote that down in a little notebook. This I one is a good directed episode, yes. and then you, it's like you're. It's just a notebook of thoughts you have during Pretty Little Liars in case you ever get on a podcast about it. Exactly. Just in case. Well, we have two main storylines this episode. Ooh, this is so hard. Obviously, we know they're by character name. It even says so in the episode, but I call them Lolita and the Tingler. I think we got to talk about the Tingler first. My grandpa, if he listens this far. So while Jughead is uh, grieving the death of Brad Rayberry at the diner. Nobody him at all. He's like, I can't believe this happened. It's so terrible that this man I've known for a couple of days... (laughs) is dead. Bummer. And then someone's like, hey, what about your friend Ethel? He's like, I don't know that person. Stop. (laughs) Why do you keep bringing this up? Stop talking about this stranger while I'm mourning my best friend and father, (laughs) Brad Rayberry. I am honestly sad that we lost uh, Bray Burberry. Burberry. I am sad about that. But it is alarming how little he thinks to connect this to the Ethel thing, how little he thinks about any of the other murders that have happened. Crazy. Jughead spends this whole episode reading books in a booth at Pops, and it's not like, you know, he reads all those books and he gets some insight into Brad Rayberry's no. psyche that's like, this man would never kill himself. Right. He just goes, well, that was a nice trip through those books. Now I'm ready to move on from this man's terrible death. Exactly. So I'm glad that he's healing <laughs> and learning nothing. Veronica sells tickets to a James Dean double feature at the Baby Lion. Okay, I have thoughts about this. Great. She says East of Eden is what they got their hands on, right? Yes. Okay, so East of Eden was actually the first James Dean film to come out. Rebel Without a Cause was the second. James Dean only had East of Eden come out before he died. Isn't that interesting? The only movie that he saw premiere was East of Eden. And then it was Rebel Without a Cause, and then it was Giant. What about Giant? Okay, so he had shot three movies, but yeah. died when only one of them was out? Yes. Then how is Veronica selling tickets to a James Dean double right. feature? I double-checked this. Well, he's dead now, so I guess... This is this is less about the episode, but like, I've have you seen Rebel Without a Cause? I'm going to be honest, John, I have he's, not. He's not a great actor, okay, in so my mind. Here's, here's the thing. And every story about him <laughs> filming movies is like, this guy was an absolute nightmare to work with. So, he was just hot? Was he? <laughs> I thought he was pretty hot. I don't think he was that, that even. I think that he had a quality that was not allowed back then, which was like smoldering rebelliousness. Sure, right. And I think that's There's been a lot of variations on that theme since then. Right, exactly. But I, I do think he was like more of an icon than he was like an iconic actor or something. I, unless I misunderstood this, I think they may have accidentally reversed... Did he have any kind of pre-Hollywood career? Modeling or something? No, I don't think so. So where the hell? Cheryl's president of the James Dean fan club. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, no, people were obsessed with him after East of Eden. That's the thing. But she hasn't seen East of Eden. (laughs) The Deanisons, as she called them. He was hot in magazines. Are are still hopping to get a chance to see his one movie at the double feature. Right. Ironic. Yes. Yeah. (sighs) But here's the thing. He's really attractive. And he was probably in the magazines. You know that he also, like, has not... He did not, like, know Marilyn Monroe. 
Like, have you ever seen a diner where they like paint photos of like, sure, paint, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it's always like James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> right, right. They were sitting next to each other, old yeah. Hollywood. This is what right. it was like. Yeah, no, they were like not a thing. It was mm-hmm. not a thing. It wasn't even mm-hmm. like, oh, they weren't really, no, they like, no. They're just like two people. Yeah, I had to learn specific facts about James Dean when I was a tour guide. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're all like, isn't that funny? He was such an asshole. <laughs> so, so fun. And then he uh, died in a horrific tr- uh, crash. Unless yeah. he didn't. Did you hear that theory? Greendale's Theater, the Orpheum, <laughs> has a larger screen. has IMAX. And Cheryl wants to see East of Eden in IMAX. But Veronica has free passes to the baby lion on the condition that she spread the word. Kevin wants to know how free tickets help, which is where a true fact is is spilled. Uh, most movie theaters make their money off of concessions. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I pay $10 for a soda at the movie. It's every worth time. it. Absolutely. It is. it is worth it. Why is it so worth it? I don't know, but I want it every time. It is also why, in the end, the things like MoviePass and AMC A-List are just as good for the companies or, or in theory, I don't know how much AMC is actually losing on A-list at any given time. But I when like I go a month without seeing a movie, they still get my money. True. So that pays off for them. And when I do go to them more often, I am more likely to spend money on concessions because I'm saving money on the ticket overall. And the movie distributors are still getting paid whatever percentage of the ticket yeah. that they make, as well as the studios. I think AMC A-list is a great idea. Movie Pass is a bad idea. <laughs> Movie Pass is a back, apparently. Yeah, I don't know how that makes money because AMC, you're going to choose to go to AMC over Regal. You're going to choose to go to AMC over the Alamo, whatever, if you have AMC A-list. But with Movie Pass, it's any theater. Sure. I don't really understand the, their business. The, the, moment, the moment I was, and like I, it was like, I downloaded Movie Pass late because I was like, this seems too good to be true. And then when I downloaded it, it was the moment it stopped being too good to be true, which when they're like, we need you to send us a picture of your ticket stub. Yeah. And I was like, people don't want to do this. You know yeah. nobody wants to do this for you. I will say I probably got like a good 10 movies <clears throat> out of Movie Pass before it just stopped working, um, which is like, you know, not bad. I think I paid like $30 at the most. So, mm-hmm. you know, I probably saved like $150. See, it would have been fun if we were continuing our bit about how if they did a version of the show where everyone kind of gets a moment where they remember the past, oh. Veronica invented <laughs> A-List, but in 1955. That'd be cute. It would have been really funny. She comes to this place for magic. Veronica intends to invite the bulldogs, and the, her gays ask all of them or one in particular. And Veronica <laughs> lets herself gets caught in the boys' locker room after practice gifting them tickets. Great idea, Veronica. Yeah. And she asks if she can save a seat beside her for Reggie. Yeah, Reggie is playing it very close to the chest here. Very yeah. unclear what his uh, his thoughts are on Veronica. Veronica sells him popcorn for 25 cents or one milkshake after the show. Oh. He agrees since she keeps taking shots. The funny thing is he's never going to pay off this popcorn because they do not go out. Right. He just gets hmm. free popcorn. What if one day she's like, um, yeah, <laughs> pay up. Right. It's like Misty following Ash for the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I have not forgotten. You See? give me that bike back. That's and like, then her last episode, they go back to her hometown and they're like, Misty, we fixed your bike. And everyone's like, great, you don't have to follow me around anymore. Bye, Misty. Oh, my God. And she's like, I think I'm in love with Ash. And he's like, bye. <laughs> That's a, that was such a cute show. I loved it. I don't think I watched it all the way through. I mean, all the way through. It's still on. It's still on? I thought it was like five years, he, 25 years ago. If you, if you want to know, Ash just became the very best that no one ever was. So where does he go now? He retires. Does They're retiring the character and 
creating new protagonists. So this show's been on for 30 years, and I just did not know. Yeah. Wow. And it's had different incarnations and titles over the time, but... I really love that show. They never show. stopped making Pokemon as a TV show. That's crazy. Wow. I <clears> thought <throat> that they were done after those, like, 52 episodes. Remember all the movies they made? Oh, I saw the movies. Yeah, in Japan, they're, they're still releasing movies, wow. like, every year. That first movie was so good. The soundtrack, I had it. I played it, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. The third one is low-key, like, their best story that they then undo in, in during the credits and kind of remove all the pathos from. Oh, But, like, that. the center of it is, like, this little girl's father goes out exploring ancient ruins and dies. Oh. And, like, whatever magic thing he finds gets brought back to the house. And when the girl acts it, like, it's, like, this dream Pokemon thing that will make all of her dreams come true. Oh. And so she imagines her dad is alive. Right. And yeah. it starts destroying the world around them. That's what I was and, a, and and she's like, I wish I had a mom. And the Pokemon thing that is that thinks it's her dad is like, cool, I'll go get you a mom. And steals Ash Ketchum's mom. That's so weird. That's such a weird <laughs> choice. She's in town. It was it was like sure. a thing. But and she knew the family from whatever. And then mm-hmm. Ash has to go and save his mom and come and teach this girl to accept that her father is dead. That sounds kind of dark. And then the credits start rolling and her dad comes back to life. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and then it turns out she actually And we all it. lived happily ever after. And falls in love with the mom. <laughs> and then it's fine. It, was a it all worked story. out in the end. Yeah. And she gets to keep the Pokemon. Wow, that sounds great. I'm really happy it worked out for her. What were we saying? Uh, you know, Veronica would have been a huge Pokemon fan anyway. Probably, honestly. But uh, Kevin tells Veronica that they have a problem. The print... The reels, film reels of East of Eden they have are unplayable. They've been overexposed. Oh, so no. So do you ever take photography class or yeah, you took I, film in college? I took photography class in high school and chronically overexposed. Overexposed? Everything. I did not understand it's it. It's so hard because you got it. Like, we had a dark room in my, in my yeah, high school. And too. you just got to go like, ka-chunk-chunk chunk with like the little light thing. It's like so fast. It's crazy. Uh, to to reveal enough light for film negatives to be able to, or rather, onto the paper and everything. The point is, if they had screened this version of East of Eden, everything, all the whites would have been really overblown, and then we wouldn't have been able to see anything. Yeah, including James Dean being handsome, especially James Dean, because like all these white actors it just Very they fade into the background, and the fact that it's every reel is uh, surprising, basically, because film oh, yeah. reels are usually kept. Taped up, very sealed, very, very good conditions. So, clearly, somebody tampered tampered with those. That's right. We'll never know exactly who. Yeah. Veronica welcomes the crowd, but informs them that she cannot screen the double feature. And this is like a volatile audience. Yeah. They are pissed. Because they're, they're here being like, I don't even know how she got two James Dean movies. <laughs> There's only one James Dean movie. Boo! Everyone throws popcorn at her. Yeah. This was... I would not give them back their money. This is bullshit. You don't owe them that, but it also seemed like they were going to murder her. Right, that's fair. (laughs) This audience, Fangs is like, I'll I'll kill you. Yeah, what is he on? He's he's a bi boy who's definitely into James Dean a little bit. I get that, actually. I I actually hope it's like, oh, Midge is awkward because she's here with her boyfriend who is a Denison and she's not. A Denison. (laughs) I like them together, though. I, I honestly think I like New Midge a little bit more. Better. Or they're giving her more play. I feel like she doesn't really do much of anything in either version. Right. Well, maybe maybe the issue was original Midge was always like, she's up to something, but hide, hide, hide. And yeah. it was always like, a, uh, uh, is she up to something? Or what is the deal with this girl? Why doesn't she talk much? But now we're at this point where it's like, anyone who is a new 
recasting for the season were like, oh, they don't matter. So it's more like, right. oh, Midge, that background character, that's fun. You, she's doing fun things. Yeah, she's, she's around. Fun. She does um, look a lot like the original Midge, which I think is weird. But I think her hair is real. You think it's really wig, short? I yeah. think she actually has short hair. Well, you know, OG flavor Midge, you know, she was Jen from To All the Boys, and it's like unrecognizable because of the different hair. Totally. So despite the free tickets, everyone wants their concession money back. Who told them that's where the real money was? How did they know to ask for that? I also think it's fucked because you ate the popcorn and you drank the soda. You have eaten the food, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm sorry that, like, I understand being annoyed about the movie, but you didn't, one, pay for the movie, so who cares? It was a sunk cost. No. Like, fuck yeah, you. Yeah, be normal teens and just go home. It, I, what did it cost you? A nickel? Come on. I don't know. I have no you idea. You don't, your money isn't real. 1950s money is not real. Everything was free. If you could find it on the ground, it was free. You could get, if you, if your skin was light enough, you could just get things with a handshake. That's probably true. Yeah. That's crazy. It seemed like a terrible time in a lot of ways. Oh, probably really, really bad. And yet quaint. Well, I think <laughs> And that... like a little quiet and nice in that sense. But also I feel like I'd enjoy it for maybe a day and a half and then be like, I'm bored. I miss the internet. I think that... Well, I think that if you knew the internet was existing... No, I, if I am a time traveler going right. back to vacationing in 1955, I'd like enjoy it for a little bit and then be like, something's wrong here. I just want to know like what like five cents was back then because it never seems like it's the equivalent of now even with inflation was five cents the equivalent of a dollar like that's how it feels do you know what i mean it didn't make sense mm-hmm. but yeah you know racist horrible time though overall bad for that too really bad mm-hmm. yeah veronica apologizes to reggie because she just became very busy and uh, he yeah. tells her to let him know when is a good time. He was very into Betty for a moment. I'm curious if he was like, you seem like a sex crazed maniac. Veronica seems normal. <laughs> I guess he just doesn't, he doesn't really have, he doesn't know Veronica yet. He doesn't know that she's a sex crazed maniac yet. Yeah. Who's to say? You know, it's a different episode, so it's a different Reggie. Right, that's true. Veronica calls a Mr. Roth for answers. I don't really know if that's supposed to be a reference. Yeah, I don't get it either. Eli Roth? I don't know. but I don't think it's Eli Roth. Seems wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, seems that wrong. would be a weird reference. But yeah, Mr. Roth says he is baffled as she is about the film print and apologizes for the mishap. He wants the same thing as she does, but he has no more available prints. Bummer. And then he kind of goes at her, saying, as a theater owner, it's always your problem what happens during shipping and handling. Hmm. But you're just so green, you don't know that yet. I don't really know how that's possible, because if he shipped it, how is that her fault? Also, like, I don't want to tell Veronica how to do her job, but, sure. like, there was a guy who ran this place for decades, right, and him. she didn't, like, hey... How do you do this, you know? Yeah. Although, she was more like, hey, old man, get out of here. What happens, this is for children only now. <laughs> what happens to this place when she goes to school? She's still going to school. Do they just open at like 4 right, p.m.? Right, because all, all of the employees are students. They might just open at 4 p.m. I guess that's fine. Do you think you could run a movie theater if someone just handed you the keys and told you to do it? In 1955, yes. But now. No. no. Same. Yeah. No. But also she has one screen. Right. I guess it's not that hard. You take the money and they go sit down. You point the projector at the... That would be the hardest part. And that projector, the booth in that projector has the largest window I've ever seen. <laughs> so you just hear the projector the entire... It would be the loudest movie-going experience. I guess you just have to put the movie really loud. Clay calls Bull. Studios don't run out of prints of hits. 
That's also true. Yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> sure, whatever. He uh, seemed like he knew. So Veronica makes some calls to Hollywood. Mm. They tell her Riverdale isn't worth it. Her theater is too small, which I agree. <laughs> and they, and my favorite, they don't do business with teenage would-be impresarios when they're trying to get into business with her parents. I agree with that, Thank too. you for just saying it. Right, yeah. Her parents. Veronica's like, my father, Veronica, or my father, Hiram Lodge, did this? Yeah, she hasn't said a daddy in a while. She has not said daddy in a while. Listen. <laughs> the last couple episodes of Veronica's stuff with her parents has been deeply frustrating for me as an audience member because you know you know what it needs to see them yes yeah hear from them either one of them and if you could not get them for whatever reason for the episodes maybe someone else can be the villain that week right I get that I was also thinking about what if it was like Hermosa instead of the parents like if instead of it was like her parents died in a horrible car accident or something sure and Hermosa yeah. is like her guardian and she's just like flitting about as a phone yeah I'm not sure obviously we didn't like the business plots before whether they were bar business plots right. or casino business plots or mostly casino and plots. theater business plots this one starts out also not super exciting to me. I think it I comes together much better. I think it's fun how it works out, and it feels very relevant to the culture at the time. But I also think there's a good reason for that. I think it's much easier to get the catharsis of someone enjoying entertainment much better than you can understand the catharsis of a good night of gambling. Yes, I agree. Or a good night at the bar. Because both of those businesses especially the gambling, are mostly about getting people to give up money <laughs> when they arguably should not, which is Veronica preying on people to a certain right. degree. And this being entertainment is more of like, she's trying to use the only thing she's ever known to show people a good time and be boss bitch business lady. I think it's, I think that's what it is. It feels a lot more wholesome and less scammy because every time she would do a casino or a bar plot, it would be like, not just about how do I get people to give me money, but like, how can I scam these people, whether they're like, she, it wasn't like she was scamming her friends usually, right? but it was always like, ooh, so-and-so is in town and I'm going to scam them out of their money and it's going to be a scheme. And this, like, you can actually rally behind Veronica. I will say, Cami Mendez was interviewed like a long time ago for like Cosmo or something about Veronica's storyline because I think Roberto asked her like, hey, like, how do you see Veronica? Like, you know, I want it's your cool that he asked. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And she was at first they were like, maybe she does something with fashion. Like she's a fashionable person. And then she's like, you know what? That's not as interesting to me as her being like interested in business. And I agree because if this was like a, she has a fashion line. Everybody has a fashion line. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. That's probably why Katie Keene became that show. Is yeah. Roberto going like, well, I still want to write fashion I stuff. I still want to do it. And I get it because Katie Keene was really fun. But I like this in a lot of ways. They clearly, even if that's what Cammy wanted, and it wasn't the wrong thing to want, I think the writers of the show came in a little under par trying to service that. Well, I think it would have been more fun if she did a more fun business that right. was like more I think I think it's because, because that maybe bumped up against the fact that they, they landed on her father being, instead of a white-collar criminal, a uh, gangster. Right. That kind of fell apart a little bit as they went on. And it'd be like yeah. the only kind of business she would know then is crime business. Right. And that's like... You can't really root for crime business. It's hard to be supportive. Yeah. When her business is crime. 
Yeah. Even if it's like only hurting bad people, it feels like, okay, I don't care. Right. And it's also every time she hurts a bad person, that bad person is like, I'm going to find you and murder you later. (laughs) And they don't. And then it's like high stakes. Yeah. I think that's what I like about this season. And I know that we have like issues with the fact that eventually the season needs to end. There will eventually have to be stakes. Yes. There will eventually have to be stakes. But I do really like the playground where things can be low stakes but feel engaging and fun like i loved like the eyeball monsters i i truly believe at this point if this show had premiered with the knowledge of what it would be able to get away with as time went on they would have maybe made it more of an anthology format where each season could be a different riverdale yeah you know a new version of the town this, this can be infinitely uh, reoriented through different genres or whatnot. I do think it's harder to get people to watch that. At least that's like what I've heard a lot. That would be hard. I don't know how that like show Miracle Workers with Daniel Radcliffe does. I, I think don't it check does in. well for like TBS. But like that's the thing I think of as like an anthology with the same cast over and over. Yeah. Similar to... Um, American Horror Story? That's the other one, yeah. Yeah. The thing with teen dramas like this is the reason people keep tuning in is because of the characters and because of like the ships and stuff. So I think resetting it would be a harder sell. That's fair. But I do think it would have made for an interesting show. I think a teen drama hits especially big if you can watch it while you're a teen and you feel like the characters grow up with you a little bit. Yeah, which is not really what we had for ourselves, but I've had that with other shows. Well, you know, it seems like most teens are 65 years old. That's true. (laughs) Right, everybody at the CW is in retirement age, just like the kids. I was shocked because at this point in the episode, I thought I knew what Veronica would do. I wound up being very wrong, but I thought Veronica would team up with Clay to shoot movies starring all of their friends. I think that she will. I think that may still happen in the future. I, I, I believe movie musical is the way into musical. Great idea. I just thought that would be like a really nice, like, oh, everybody's involved way to overcome your problem. But this is actually a Veronica story. So Veronica only believes Veronica can solve her problem. Sure. Clay suggests they bring in B-movies and Veronica says, I don't know about that, but I have a great idea. (laughs) We're going to bring in some (laughs) B-movies. Veronica notices Jughead at Pops reading Brad Rayberry books. She asks if he's heard of a movie called The Crawling Eye. Is this a real movie? I looked it up. Is it? Yes. Oh, gross. The Crawling Eye is a British science fiction drama film that was originally entitled The Trollenberg Terror, and it came out in 1958. Oh, no. It's almost like Riverdale's not real. It's like you're not <laughs> paying attention, Joe. I did love the the eye monsters. I thought that was really great. Yeah, those are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird creature flick that Jughead uh, says he's going to love in three years. <laughs> and it's also the only movie that Veronica can get her hands on to play thanks to that time hole it fell through. I don't really know. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so Jughead suggests that she do what William Castle did where his movies came with gimmicks. You can laugh about the kind of gimmicks old movie theaters used to do, but uh, Regal has 4DX. I was um, going to say, it still exists. Everyone's got Screen X. IMAX, whatever. Yeah, we're still doing this stuff today. There's a really funny interview with some celebrity. I can't. It was like Evan Rachel Wood. It was somebody where talking about their their Screen X experience. Yeah, they were like, I went to go the, see the 4DX thing where the chairs move. Yeah, they didn't realize they went to go see um the Avatar movie, mm-hmm. and she like sat down and like was watching it and was like, 
Oh my god! Oh, Shailene Woodley. I yeah, think. I think it was Shailene. And she was like, "Oh my god! Like, what is happening?" <laughs> they kept spraying water in her yes. face the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. See, not no, not my thing. <laughs> at Disney World, at the Bugs Life ride, I can do that, but I don't want to watch a whole. I want to watch a three-hour movie getting sprayed in the face with water. It sounds awful. Right. But you could relate to your grandfather, I you could. know, because the Tingler had electric shocks in the seats to make it more of an experience. I did do that at a haunted house. No, like they shocked too. Yeah. Like that one bit. It was scary. So Veronica screens the trailer for The Crawling Eye, and Cheryl asks if that movie came out a few years ago. No, a few years from now, actually. <laughs> Veronica says, this release is in 4D. Don't you mean 3D? No, I mean 4D. And then Dilton helpfully points out that time is the fourth dimension, and Veronica tells him to shut up. <laughs> We're not doing that today, <laughs> Dilton Doily. So the boys, uh, the boys hand out novelty eyeballs, and she has her gay boys paper mache giant eyeballs. Loved it. And Veronica recruits Archie and Reggie as performers, and Cute. I like the way they play this scene. Yeah. Because Archie's like, I don't really know about that. And Reggie's like, tell me more. Then Archie's like, tell me more. <laughs> I love this version of Archie's that, sweetie that pie. That Archie's like, I just want to do whatever Reggie's doing. Yeah, he loves Reggie. Yeah, Reggie's his favorite. When Cheryl comes into the movie theater, Veronica offers her a life insurance policy <laughs> and points out Midge as a nurse on duty in case anybody faints, which is stuff seen in old movie theaters too for yeah, her. That's very cute. It's like a fun bit. Yay. I bet none of these movies were actually scary. No, I'm sure they were not scary. I really thought Veronica screwed this whole thing up because when the movie starts, it's like whatever. And then fog effects start pouring in and no one can see the screen. And I'm like, oh, is that it? That you try this thing and no one can see the screen? And That'd be hilarious if you went to a movie and that's what happened. But no. <laughs> uh, instead, Archie and Reggie pop out in two giant eye monster costumes. It looks so cute. And run around the crowd, and everyone's shrieking with delight. And Midge is so thrilled that she she, kisses she just like jumps into Fangs' lap and kisses him. And How? he is still not a music superstar. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But he's working on that. I'm sure. He seems really, really Someone's invested. Someone's going to ask later, like, oh my god, I forgot about that. No. Oh no, no is the baby coming? The baby's in labor. We held that off too, right? Yeah, she does not look pregnant. She doesn't look pregnant at all. Crazy. It has not been four months, I guess. So Veronica finds a line around the block outside of the baby line. Seven o'clock show is sold out. Archie and Reggie, they need to talk to her. They can't be the eyeballs full time. <laughs> that's, that's not a thing they can do. Veronica says that she respects their moxie and their balls. And offers them a raise. She really enjoys the fact that she can say balls a lot in this conversation. She does. She loves it. And they're like, yeah, a raise is great. We're still playing basketball. <laughs> I, I can't choose two things, Archie says. Yeah, also Reggie is, uh, this is like the whole reason he's right, here. Right, right. No offense, but Reggie needs the basketball a lot yes, more. Yes, exactly. The racism will come for him it's unless he plays bad. the basketball. And she says, fine, she can put anybody in those balls. She can. Her gays can be in those balls. Yeah, they are already salaried, so... Do that. Well, salary, that's Our, a strong word. Okay, they're already being paid. <laughs> Reggie uh, still wants to go out with her, but she can't. Ugh. Now she has too much good business to go to deal See? with. He's like, uh-huh. She's like, totally <laughs> come back tomorrow. That'll be fine. He says, uh-huh. Yeah. And then tomorrow he asks Kevin if Veronica knows he's there. And Kevin's like, <laughs> <laughs> This is not my problem. I'm not her personal assistant. So Eli Roth congratulates Veronica. Uh, he read about her success in a small town in Deadline and Hollywood Reporter and Variety and all the trades. Right. All of them were like, wow, this small town made like $100 screening <laughs> a movie last night. He's like, no. I love Riverdale. The audiences there are so smart. Go no. have a copy of East of Eden. This is what happened, actually. It's two teenage boys dressed in costume and went, whoa. <laughs> 
And that gets written up in Deadline. Years later, James Corden would do the same thing with the cast of <laughs> Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. James Corden is the evolution of all of this crap. He probably is. Well, no, we got rid of him, didn't we? Well, it sounds like we personally killed James Gordon. Listen, we exist on the entertainment landscape after him, and that makes us better than him. Think about, um, just think about the moment where James Gordon stopped traffic on Beverly to dress up like his cat's character and Uh thrust it in front of cars. I've seen that. I've seen that. Did you see the one where it was a spill your, fill your guts or spill your guts? Hate that. Where uh, Jimmy Kimmel challenged him to name two cameramen in the room. Oh my god. And he couldn't do it and he ate the disgusting food. That's horrible. Yeah. At all levels. I did hear he voted against um paying his writers. No, more. he is he's bad. Yeah. Uh, he was actively worse and it makes sense why he's suddenly stopping. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just telling you guys what I've heard. I don't I don't confirm or deny anything mm-hmm. veronica comes down to go on a date with reggie but he has left which is makes sense yeah because he has basketball practice in the morning exactly veronica's key no longer opens the pembroke where <gasps> smithers informs her that her parents will not be supporting her financially any longer she's a child do you want to talk to them no don't you dare speak to your parents and get information from them that's not how you work you make assumptions about them this is also um, kind of a Betty thing where it's like parents are just like, I don't want it anymore. Fuck you. I mean, we gotta, we'll get into that. Yes. Veronica moves into her baby lane office. This is a good spot. I'm not upset about any of this. Sure. I think all of the stuff with their parents could have been done a hundred times better. Where does she shower? Great question. I guess at school, but what about on the weekend? See, I like the idea right now of her being homeless and Jughead having a home. But Jughead oh, also... no, he doesn't have a home. Well, he does also, have a home. Also, if she were still maybe pursuing Jughead, she would just Stay move with in him. with him. I would love that. I, uh, I loved Veronica and Jughead. They you gave up on it too soon. You could have a love that. triangle with her and Tabitha, two very different people who offer very different things to a guy who could go either way. I liked it. I know. I can't believe that... I, I can't believe how hard I was riding for Bughead, by the way. And like how it's just you gone. You wouldn't see anything other than that. I wouldn't see. And the show has been great without it. I know. It's interesting. I'm still holding out a little bit of like assumption that they're going to get back together. But I don't know if that's just wishful thinking. Mm. I don't know. They kissed in this episode. Kind of, sort of. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Speaking of, the patriarchy tells <gasps> Betty that the river vixens are too sexy for her. Sure. You guys did force her to do that, so correct. why not? She thinks school in general is a sexy environment. What with all the horny <laughs> CW teens, the patriarchy doesn't see things that way. And it's time to talk about how horny she's been. So I, this episode went where my brain went. And I didn't think it would go where my brain went. But I'm just going to start by saying, Betty, I don't think that's the point of high school. I understand what you're saying. Not the point. But I get your point. I have never been a teenage girl in high school. True. It sure seems like female teenagers do not have the sex drive of male teenagers. I would say it's just a lot less accepted to talk about. And but it I, is it is similar. I mean, I've never been a boy teen, but I th- I think this is the difference. I think we've had movies like American Pie where I think it's over exaggerated how much guys are like obsessed, and it's under exaggerated how much girls are interested. Right. So I think it's like obviously there are people who are more or people who are less, but I think it's probably pretty similar. Okay. If I had to guess, 
I'm I'm more running on that thing I'd heard where it's like a woman's sexual peak is in her 30s. And like... Interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's probably pretty equal because you're going through puberty and like biologically speaking, like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But like Betty, I think might have, <laughs> might be a little bit more so than her peers in this case. But there's nothing wrong with her. Nothing is wrong with her. But I, I do think, you know, have a conversation with somebody without having multiple fantasies. <laughs> Betty's first sexual memory was of playing Operation with Archie as children. Probably the third or fourth children to ever play young Archie and Betty in the show. Oh, yeah. I was kind of confused about what was sexual about this. Yeah, this is a weird energy. Because, like, Archie buzzes trying to pull the heart out of the Operation guy. And then the girl who's looking, playing little Betty is just, like, staring at him. Yeah. And, like, it's a weird energy to get from children. (laughs) Uh... Okay, good. I thought that too. I was like, I don't really. But she tells she tells Werther's original that she just doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he asks, how often does Betty think about sex? And well, she thinks about Ar- kissing Archie when she sees him shirtless through the windows and kissing Fangs in the car out front of school, kissing Jughead in the hallway, kissing Veronica in the locker room, and Love kissing it. Reggie in the showers. And when Dylan's volcano explodes, she does not kiss Dylan. <laughs> no, she's absolutely attracted. not. She's attracted to the volcano. I she thought is, that was pretty clear. She's not even. She's only by for Veronica, which is a <laughs> fascinating element of this. Of yes. this, and one begging to be explored further. Just saying. She says it's an average amount that she thinks about sex. Maybe sure. every seven sex. He's like, that's for teen boys. Yeah. Girls aren't allowed to be like that. Yeah. And uh, she says she thinks about sex all the time, and he jots down some notes. He is a creepy man. We never know what the notes say or what he does with the notes. The ending of the storyline really depends on us believing the things that Betty believes he is thinking, doing, and saying with these notes. It is not, it is never confirmed that way. True. Not that she's wrong to say these things. If you're writing the episode, why not just make it explicit? Okay, so here is here is my argument for not making it explicit. Because this is such an inappropriate conversation to have regardless of intention. For sure. It's really weird that he's at, and that she's answering. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, I understand that this is a different time. And as a teenager, you might not feel like compelled to walk away. But I was like, girl, be quiet. Yeah. Say less. I know. But you're right. We don't, we don't know. But it doesn't really matter whether he has that intent or not because it's still sinister no it's still controlling of her regardless yes i guess it's more like if i haven't read the book lolita which i have not then i'm already at a disadvantage to understand what they are talking about by the end and so if there was something explicit in the actual story they're telling I could be like, oh, this guy's a freak. Instead of just being like, <laughs> oh, this guy read Lolita. That makes him a freak. Yeah, I didn't like that. We'll get into that a little bit more once we start talking about Lolita because I had thoughts about this. Betty says she's curious about how sex feels and she's curious about sex for pleasure and not marriage. And she like punches back at Werther's original saying, um, what about the magazines that Hal keeps in his sock drawer? He's like, I didn't need to know about that. Which is not even <laughs> penthouse. It's no. just like, Magazines where women are in lingerie, I guess. Yeah. At best. And it looked like drawings of them. Yeah. And they call it girly mags. Girly mags. Which just feels like from a much um, uh, uh, more innocent time. Yeah. At a time before pornography became very accessible. Yeah. They're like barely, I think they're wearing like 
pantyhose. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's a lot. A lot is left to the imagination. Yeah, it's like flirty images. Yeah, it's uh, like it's very innocent. It's yeah. cute. Uh, her parents don't share a bed also, which is, I thought, oh, just like yeah. a weird fact is that they, they have the two singles. That was a thing, though, a big thing in the time period. I'm for it. I I like dating. I, do, I don't like sharing the bed. Yeah, I, I think that, like, the ideal situation is honestly just have a really, really big bed. But, a king? Yeah, or like a California, California king. California king is a just distressing amount of bed. It is a lot of bed, but if you've ever slept in one, which I've not, I don't have one, but I've slept in one, like, on vacations. Right. It's so good. But it sounds like it wasn't like a chastity thing originally when people had these beds. It sounds like people just had these beds and then during the depression it got cheaper to have one big bed for the parents. Oh, that's and then so funny. Kids just like was like, that's what parents' beds are like, and now that's what we all do. Huh. That's interesting. Patriarchy says this isn't about Hal. <laughs> and he's a child psychologist. And uh, Betty realizes she doesn't want to get married, maybe ever. So it's kind of a weird moment to say this. (laughs) wants to make an impact on the world and not just have a family. Sure. And he says, that's illegal. Did he say that? He doesn't say anything. (laughs) He's really like, okay, so we're actually getting somewhere in therapy. Cool. You're realizing things about yourself. I think I'm doing my job. Every scene with Alice is very uncomfortable. But the scene that immediately follows this is Alice being like, hey, I was at the store and I saw all these wedding magazines and I just thought of you and thought we could look at these and imagine the day you're married someday. It'll be the happiest day of my life, your mother's life. Really weird. Really weird. I'm struggling to see things from her perspective, but like that is kind of the big thing of this episode is that Alice simply will not explain her perspective. Yeah. No which seems to at a point be because of how, but it's I'm like weird. I'm like trying to make a guess at it. And is it like a once she's married, my work is done and it's fine and it's safe? It feels darker than that. It feels it feels scarier than that to me. Mm. But Alice needs therapy so badly it's not even funny. Well, no, because she's an adult. She so. would not need therapy. <laughs> That's right. right. He's a child psychologist. That's right. The only mental health professional. So does Betty remember her dreams? And are they sexual? The patriarchy wants to know. She could not tell him. She could be like, no, I don't. But the biology classroom is pretty hot. Yes, it is. Because Betty's allowed, because Lily's allowed to look like an adult in it. <laughs> right, because she's a teacher, and I guess Audrey's a student. She's a teacher in a sexy outfit, teaching all of her crushes, the boys. I didn't even think about the fact that uh, Mrs. What's-Her-Face, Mrs. What's her name? The Mrs. Grundy. Miss Grundy. Miss Grundy. I didn't even think about this as an association. Oh. She's teaching the boys, Veronica, and mostly Archie. And they kiss and she unbuttons his shirt and they realize everyone is watching, which she seems to like. Hmm. Interesting. And he wants to know if she tells anyone, she says, just her diary, and he jots that down. Where does Betty think this urge comes from? Does it titillate her? Ooh. Bad word. Bad word. Excite her? I'm not sure how I feel about her thoughts, but I'm also not her. She thinks it's about being seen, seen as a person with autonomy, desire, and self-determination. Do you get that? I, I like this. I thought that this made sense because, I mean, of course, it's also hormones and, like, all of that shit. But I think that 
it does make sense because Betty feels very much controlled by other people. She's very controlled by Alice. She's very controlled by the patriarchy in general. So it's interesting because she also links this to not just her sex life, but her her life. Like she doesn't want to get married. She wants to make an impact on the world. So I think that's what it is about, kind of. She's taking control of her life, fantasizing about being in control of herself sexually. So it totally. makes sense. I'm not saying she's not. I feel like I'm in a trap. <laughs> I'm not saying she's not allowed to have these wants. But I also feel like this explanation would feel more all-encompassing of every problem she's got going on in her life if yeah. it did touch on more things. But again, the show has been so laser-focused on horniness and sex <laughs> for so long that it seems like in this reality it is the only way to express yourself. I think it might be the only way that Betty knows how to express herself because Why? there's so little, I feel like there's so few options given to women at this time that it's almost easy for her, easier for her to imagine taking control of her sex life than taking control of her life and doing something different than the path like laid out in front of her. Why? Because I think that so few avenues were open for women. Like Veronica owns a business. I guess that's fair. But Veronica's Veronica's from California. So? I know, it's different. It's Is different. it? She's friends with Betty. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it's for Betty more of her parents have always had a path laid out in front of her and for whatever reason she can't seem to break from that unless it's sex. What path do they have laid out for her? I think like to get married. To, like, have a family. Totally. And if there was a more explicit version of that, right? If there was, like, a person. Because of the Kevin thing. Right. Yeah. Like, part, kind of. I want Betty to rebel against something more specific. Right. I get that. They don't have anything that specific. It's just, like, this 1950s idea of what a woman should be. Which is ironic, because the 1950s ideal of what a woman should be is Betty Cooper from the Archie comics. Right? Sure. I'm like, you're thinking if Betty were, this is so difficult. If Betty were being groomed to be essentially Betty from the books. Yeah. To be like, Betty will wear uh, the dress all the time and Betty will marry Archie. Like that's the plan, right? Right. If that was like day one, Betty is going to marry Archie Everyone loves that Betty and Archie are a couple forever. Yeah. And are going to be Betty and Archie forever and be married. And if she started rebelling against all that, not even that she might not love Archie, but just that she doesn't know because she's always been Betty and Archie or Betty from Riverdale or Betty, Betty, Betty. Instead, she never she never has been that person or never wanted to be that person. But also that that box has never been established very clearly. For us. Right. It's kind of only been about you will find a man, whoever it is, as long as it's almost like not Archie. Right. Because like the Reggie or the, not Reggie, the Kevin of it all kind of counteracts that. Because it's like, what did Alice want there? She knew Kevin was gay. She definitely knew the entire time that Kevin was gay. And in that sense, she knew Betty was never in danger of premarital sex. Great. Then what? You know? Right. Is she going to marry Kevin? And why does that make her safe? What? 
I wonder if we're going to go to the chick storyline where, you know, her having a premarital baby. Is, it does everything carry over exactly the same? It just feels like that's where it's pointing right now because if she wanted Betty to get married and be safe but not necessarily have sex. Sure. Or is it like, oh, Hal will murder you. Oh, my God, maybe. Like... If, if Hal were the milkman confirmed, I'd be like, oh, yeah, because Hal will straight up murder you. <laughs> right. Right. We're in some real dark shit right, right. now, Betty. Um, it's very complicated. I don't know. But Alice is crazy this episode. She is crazy. Because Betty comes home to find Alice with Reverend Lowe. And Alice thinks Betty should confess because Alice has been reading her diaries so, as was prescribed. I think that... Catholicism is confession. I don't think other... They're Presbyterian. So that's not really uh, for you. (laughs) I guess you can just tell people stuff, right? It does seem like in this era, like this is the era when a priest could just say, I'm a priest and every every woman in the neighborhood would be like, then we trust you with all of our secrets. Exactly. Perfect. You're a good man from God. No bad man has ever conned himself into this organization or ever could. (laughs) Right, of course. Famously, that's which how is it great because yeah, we for thousands of years the church has always been home to good people doing exactly, good things exclusively. Yes, Betty suggests that Alice come to therapy with her. She's so <laughs> quote hot to try, but Alice won't because she's an adult. Right, right. Adults don't go to therapy. <laughs> well, what Betty learned from this is that breaking and entering is a okay. <laughs> so she breaks into Werther's Originals office to check his notes. With a hair clip, she unlocks his desk drawer and finds a switchblade, a slingshot, a bunch of comic books, mm. and a paperback copy of Lolita. I looked up Lolita. I gave it a Google. You gave it a Google. It's a, this one actually is a 1955 novel. Oh, yes, finally. by Russian-American novelist Vladimir Nabokov. Notable for its controversial subject, the protagonist, an unreliable narrator, a middle-aged literature professor under the pseudonym Humbert Humbert is obsessed with a 12-year-old girl named Dolores Hayes, whom he kidnaps and sexually abuses after becoming her stepfather. Lolita is the Spanish nickname for Dolores and what he calls her privately. Yeah, so this is um, a very famous, highly regarded piece of literature with obviously like a very controversial subject matter. I think what Jughead says kind of makes the most sense. Betty accusing him um being like a sexual deviant because he read lolita i thought was not the right call and that was a little bit confusing jughead kind of even tells her oh you're wrong for thinking that just because somebody reads something like this it means that they're like a a pedophile or whatever he said i don't think he said pedophile no but they certainly pick a very intense age don't they it's been adapted twice first by kubrick in 1962 and later by Adrian Lyne in 97. No, I've never I don't know seen... that version. I think... Is I don't that... seen... I've never seen either of them, though. Is that the person who did Dark Water? Or that other movie? Deep Water? I don't... I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not a sexy book, It's but it's a sexual book, obviously. It's a very disturbing book. Betty tells Werther's original that she won't be attending their private patriarchy session because she still has reading to do. Yeah. When she finishes it, Betty confronts Werther's originals over Lolita. He tells her he's using Lolita to understand Betty. She, too, is a sex-crazed young woman, which really feels like he didn't read the book very well. Yeah, no, no. Humbert is the main character. Also, clearly a pedophile. Like, I don't think it's... Like, it's not 
Yeah, even from the descriptions. Like, yeah. He gets off on, like, touching this girl a little bit. Mm. No, no, no. Because yeah, she's a freak. Right, no, he's, <laughs> yeah. But the book, the book is, he's a bad man. Like, yeah. it's... The... Benny, Benny says that Dolores Hayes is being coerced in the book. He's a kissing cousin to Humbert Humbert, but creepier. <laughs> Whatever, a kiss, I mean, a kissing cousin, already creepy. Right, right. very reverberable. Uh, it is inappropriate for him to ask her these questions in private. True. Writing down every word she said while also, doing God knows what with the notebook. Weird. True, therapists do that all the time, though. Yes, but this whole thing is weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. She thinks he's reading Lolita for pleasure, sick gratification, and she doesn't feel safe being alone with him. Now, this guy could just be reading Lolita, which is not a crime. <laughs> right, I know. This is the part where I was like, ooh. That's uh, my thing, is yay. if they just had one thing of her finding his notes and they're like, ooh, daddy, or whatever. Right. And then, then she could be like, everything I need to know. And I'd be like, yeah, this guy is a creep who's reading Lolita for creepy reasons. Right, like we would know why he's reading Lolita. <laughs> if she like flipped yeah. through the book and he's like, that's weird, he crossed out the name Lolita and wrote Betty every time. <laughs> right. You know, like right. something. That would have been fun. No, it wouldn't have been horrible. But like, yeah. I think that there could have been something other than him just reading Lolita. And I'm sure they had a lot of conversations about this. Yeah, you know? yeah. Maybe there was a scene that was cut or something, too. I could see that. That it kind of explained this a little bit better. Because it does feel... Well, I do think that he is wrong for doing this. And that he has bad intentions. I don't know if the intentions are he is a pedophile. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was the thing that I was unclear about. Alice tells Betty that the patriarchy wants to stop. But Alice told him not to give up on Betty. Betty's like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to help fix Betty. Because Alice can't do it herself. Oh, God. Betty yells for Alice to just talk. Let's talk about how unhappy Alice is. And Alice's like, like I'm unhappy. (laughs) It's like, you're a parent in the mid-century. Of course you're unhappy. Right, of course. Alice says that Betty doesn't know what she's talking about. And Betty agrees. She never knows what's going on because you won't talk about your problems. Why was Alice afraid for Betty? Why is Alice afraid of Betty? Yeah, this is weird to me because she should be afraid for Betty. But the of is uh, is interesting. Are we getting dark, what Betty? What mystery is there? To, oh, I, I, I think they've been more than happy to pretend dark <laughs> it's Betty gone. does not exist. What dark Betty? That could have been, by the way, you had your chance last season to actually have a second mm. Betty who was dark. Yeah, no, it's gone. <laughs> so Hal cuts in. You can't leave the conversation alone. He just yells at Betty for saying anything mean to her mother ever. Yeah, it uh, seems like Hal is actually being an okay guy for a moment there, which was weird to me. Hal is the most wonderful mother. Yeah. And Betty doesn't deserve her. I was like, oh. And how dare she talk this way when Alice has sacrificed so much. And Betty's still like, literally, what has she sacrificed? And they're all like, go to your room. Interesting. I, I just got the sense that I wonder if the sacrifice could be like something time travel related. Probably not, but so we, it's weird. This this was a weird. It's scene. just like the the you could not break this further than saying no. That's present day Alice doing yeah. all of this because she absolutely wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Alice is a fucking weirdo, but she had seemed to reach a pretty good spot. By the end of the modern day stuff. Right. Well, because she got her daughter back from the dead. Right. And they took out the cult together. Right. I forgot about that. Remember she was secretly an undercover cop in that cult the entire time? Yes. When she got married to Edgar Evernever? Yeah. Were, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> no. Crazy. By the way, he's out there. I believe he's there. Oh, yeah. He is. 
Absolutely. We they do. That. They do like maybe the final finale is like all the villains in a line together, oh. all the evil dads. I, and then, oh my god, he would have the best time. Chad, they, they gotta call you if they haven't. They gotta call you. Get him on cameo. You got it. <laughs> That's all you need. Betty checks in on Alice in the morning, who calls her Elizabeth, so you know it's bad. Oh no. The irony is that in my own house, in my own house, my sister's name is Elizabeth, yeah. and my mom has on multiple <laughs> occasions been like. Tried, tried out Betty and Beth has been like absolutely I know don't, no. no way <laughs> no 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 Betty wants to figure out a path forward Alice says she has relieved Werther's originals of his duties and he's also not pressing charges but she also says that everything she's done in her entire life has been for Betty and it's obvious that Betty does not want it so huh. Betty, if Betty, ha- if Betty has all of the answers and she knows anything, if she doesn't want a mother anymore, then she doesn't have one. I don't think Betty was asking to not have a mother. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I think it's uh, pretty fucked up that you are withholding love from your daughter. Yeah, very upsetting. Also, Betty was just like, hey mom, I want to be close to you. Tell me what's going on. Why are you so upset? <laughs> right. And she's like, how dare you pry into my personal life? Exactly. Like, what do you think, why would you think you get to know anything about me? Because you're my flesh and blood? <laughs> get that. Hate you. Sad bummer. So it was like an interesting episode where there's actually like a common theme to the stories being told. Yeah, for sure. Which is different from most. But we still have a little bit of Jughead to wrap up. Oh man. See, Jughead finishes rereading all of Ray Barry's writing and he's de- and he finishes it. He goes, That guy definitely killed himself. There's no <laughs> nothing in this makes me question that. Uh he said he tells Pop that he's finished his last milkshake. He thinks he's done waffling and is ready to move on. And then Sheriff Keller enters. He's going to need Jughead's help to solve the case. I have questions. Why? Yeah, he's a what? child. What do you mean? And unless it turns around and he's like, I'm the real Sheriff Keller. Oh and my God. they open the door and everyone's doubles are there from the, from the future. I love that. That is not where they're going. No. But Jughead's time police is a thing from the comics. Jughead's time police? Yeah. That's so fun. Interesting. Hmm. Thoughts? Thoughts about... Uh, best boy and girl in Riverdale, best dressed. Oh, uh, hmm. can we just give it to Reggie Can and Archie? The eyeball costumes. Yes, exactly. For sure. The yeah. eyeballs. Great Perfect. suits. Paper mache around a beach ball can make the shape of the heads, and then you just pull the you deflate the beach ball and pull it out after the paper mache hardens. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, that makes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I did not think that through. I can't imagine those suits must have been horribly uncomfortable and impossible to see through do you think they were actually in them oh who's to say yeah i probably not that it does seem like something that we would have seen like a picture of the two boys with sweaty heads wearing the costumes yeah there was no reason why they had to be in there so probably not but stella what are you doing um okay so best boy and or girl gonna give it to midge for being the nurse on duty sure she did her duty she showed up for work she did for the best boy it's gonna be tied between reggie and archie for also showing up to help out the movie i'm gonna give it to clay because i feel like he had some good clay is underserved and i think he had some good ideas yeah i also think reggie uh, veronica should just support him making movies agreed i think they're gonna go like if we want to go back to our social justice especially race stuff just just platform him yeah, he'd be great. You know? Yeah. Was Veronica the one who wanted to be a director? Or was he the one who wanted he to be wants a director? He wants to be a director. And did, she doesn't want to be a She wants to be a producer. Cool. Love that. So just make let him make movies. Perfect. To the rumor mill? Yeah. Like we said, there's a thematic similarity to both of the women achieving independence at a time when that hurts them. Yeah. 
Betty has not been kicked out of her house, although I do believe if she and Veronica could live together, they'd be very happy. <gasps> That'd be so fun. It's weird that it was never uh, thought about. I looked up the waves of feminism earlier today. Oh, I thought, you did? I thought I would call Betty's arc second wave feminism. Okay. But second wave feminism doesn't start until like the 1960s. Okay. But that is everything she's fighting for here. Yeah. She's just way ahead of the curve. Cool. In like five years, she'll be a suff- uh, not a suffragette. That was before. Yeah. Uh, but she'll be on the front lines fighting for women's lib. And maybe she'll be able to see all those movies that didn't come out yet. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot going on because they are, you know, still kicking that storyline down yeah. the road. <laughs> I know. Do we want to watch the next, the trailer for next week? Sure. Why would Mr. Rayberry take his own life? Unless he didn't. How well did you really know your so-called hero, Chuckhead? This is impossible. Someone else is responsible. Oh, look, next week is the plot. <gasps> it's the plot. Okay, so in that uh, in that trailer, we saw the milkman who we saw previously, right? We saw the milkman in jittery framing where he seemed to be made of three kind of separate images that came together of the three main colors. Mm-hmm. On the color wheel, uh, red, green, and blue. What I've been told is that the person who... Four? Four colors. Sorry, comic books were four colors back then. What I've been told by the audience members is that the person who played the Milkman was also on Sabrina. And this is from Kay Nicole Ward. The Milkman actor also played the creepy ice cream man in Sabrina and was the quiz master guy in the Riverdale quiz show episode. I noticed in rewatch. I thought it was Percival Pickens at first. Interesting. Well, I don't think that means anything that he was in Probably the show just, before. yeah. But I do wonder if maybe the ice cream man thing is a thing because I guess he was creepy, but I didn't get that far in Sabrina. I don't think it's connected. Just a guy they really like. I think, I think an actor they know, they can trust, yeah. Yeah, I'm very intrigued though. Uh, what are you watching? Okay, so I'm watching. Am I what am I watching that's new? Honestly, so I've been very busy the last like couple of weeks. I was traveling, and then Ian's mom was here, so we've been kind of running around. So we've kind of only caught up on the things that were like vital, which is mostly just Yellow Jackets. Um, vital, vital yeah, shit, vital yeah. shit. That last episode really brought it all together. Yeah. So I've been watching Yellow Jackets. I'm very excited to see where it all goes. I've been looking up theories, which is my favorite thing, and I think it's really fun. I don't have a lot to say about it because I talk to you about it a lot. Do you think it's not real? I'm starting to get the sense that something isn't real, but I'm not sure what it is that's not real. I'm not sure if they're... So, okay, so I sent John a thing that was seems like a promo for Yellow Jackets. I'm not even sure what it was. Where it was it, a TikTok. It was a TikTok, but... Of a voicemail. It was a voicemail for the, the cult that Lottie runs. But also implying that that cult is no longer there. And it said, like, as kind of like a broken piece of the audio, like, it's not real. So what does that mean? Does it mean... Okay, so the, the big theory, Yellow Jackets fans, chatting about Yellow Jackets is the new podcast now, is the present day timeline not real? I don't know if I love that idea, but I do think that they could be hinting at that. I also think it's interesting that we've never found out how they were rescued, even in like a passing comment. Because you would think that that would be a big moment or something that would be alluded to. I can tell you why if they haven't said that. Because they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. But there are there are little things where I'm like, is it possible? It's not. We're not seeing the real the real version of the future. I think the biggest clue right now is Ben's experience, where he seems to be hopping mentally to 
a future or like a parallel timeline? No. Yeah, I know. No, he is imagining things. Or is he? Yes, he is. And then he couldn't imagine anything because he was dying. So here's And then he was about to kill himself when his imagination was like, you got to stop. So here's my second theory. They're on, and did you mention this? That they're on um, like a mine, like a, the reason why that river was running red was because, and the reason there are all those tunnels underneath is because they're on a mine, um, an old mining field or whatever. And so the chemicals that they were mining for caused hallucinations. It's not me. No. Well. Oh, is the, is, is the river drugged? The river could be drugged. I don't want this. No, um, I'm sticking with my original thought, which is Lottie has a concussion and everyone's paying the price. Oh, and then Lottie got electroshock therapy and that solved nothing. But Lottie has had a mark on her forehead since the moment the plane crashed. I've been getting frustrated with my roommate Cosmo because (laughs) he's like, why is everyone so mad at Lottie? She hasn't done anything. And I'm like, Lottie, created all of it oh no lottie sucks all of these conditions came from lottie but because she always looks bewildered you think <laughs> she's not in control of anything and yes, from what i, I understand agree. i saw the trailer for next week the finale will be someone basically going to be like stop looking bewildered you did all of this yes i think that lottie is um not necessarily an intentionally evil person but i think she is bad i think she's a, she's bad yeah i think that I, the one thing I can't, I don't love is that I feel like new Lottie or present day Lottie and old Lottie do not feel like the same character at all to me. It's not that they look so different. They look fairly like well matched physically, but I don't get the same energy from them at all in a way that I don't experience with the other characters. They well, just yes, but different. I think that's still because all past Lottie ever does is say creepy shit and look bewildered at people. Right. So you're like, does she have a relationship with these women? Whereas adult Lottie talks to the other girls like some kind of sage with knowledge and doesn't look bewildered enough. But I don't know, time changes people. Sure. Electro shock therapy (laughs) changes people more. Do you think right now it's supernatural? No. I don't think it is either. I, I don't know if I just don't want it to be supernatural or if Yeah, it... I'm more like I'm looking for the opportunities for it not to be supernatural. Yeah, because I think that is more interesting. It's like if magic is real, then they get to blame the awful thing they did on something else. Right. And then it's not real drama. And my second question, or third question, would you be to new friends? Um <laughs> No comment. <laughs> okay, okay. Better. Months, months in the months out there, months later. I have an answer for this. It's one hundred percent yes, without thinking about it, and you've already picked out the parts of me that you that you want to eat first. No, no. Here's my here's the. This is my thinking. I and it's kind of selfish. I would have eaten Jackie maybe after she died the way they did, but that's like a hard maybe. I may not have. I would not have done the queen thing at all and tried to kill one of my friends. Not because I was so selfless to not want to hurt my friends. I just could not live with the trauma of knowing that I did that. It would be, I would rather be dead. I'm just thinking if this were like a team of boys. Yeah. They would not have lived to be rescued. Yeah. They would have either A, all left back during the warm months to try to hike back to safety somehow. And, And be dead. And be dead. Yeah. They would have all killed each other during this winter. Yes. Or killed each other at some point in the next year to follow. But oh, I like, 100% agree. The Both only the reason farms. the girls live is because this season they accidentally create all of these rituals that they decide to follow for the next X 
much time. The cards in the hunt being like an accidental thing they invented at the end of last season and perpetuate now, and being like the formation of these rituals that are continue to do uh, are dangerous and bad, and obviously they'll murder people, and it's funny that they're like, oh, the wilderness decided that you can just kill someone while they're out hunting you, and be like, wilderness, it did it. Right, uh, exactly. But it's as long as they believe that it is real, it lets them pretend they're civilized. That's very interesting, actually. I would 100% not think it's worth it to survive with that trauma, I think. Well, I 100% would not think it's worth it to uh, kill Nat- Natalie to save Lottie. Thank you, right? I'm, I'm with Natalie where I'm like, problem solved, right? Right, she's Everything upstairs. Goes, she dies, and then we all get to calm down. <laughs> also, here's the other thing about killing people for food. I don't know how many meals you get out of Lottie. She seems pretty, like, thin, considering they're all starving. So if I'm going to get three meals out of Lottie, four, five, six, six, seven days worth of food, no, I'd rather just die. Listen, like, why? If I'm, if I'm at the poultry or the meat section of the grocery store, right, okay. and I'm looking at a cut of Lottie, a cut of Natalie, and a cut of Javi, yeah. Javi is obviously the smallest right. meal I can take home with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cheaper. If you wait a cheaper thing. So just saying, I don't know. I don't eat meat, so I think I'm also like maybe underestimating how well meat can feed you. But like... They don't have a source of grains. Right. If you have a chicken, if you buy a chicken at a store, how many meals is that? Like a, like a normal size rotisserie chicken. Um, like for just you like if you were to eat it and it's not going to go bad or whatever maybe three right like and there's so many of them <laughs> how big is Lottie compared to a rotisserie chicken like think about it that's uh, crazy she's at least three rotisserie chickens she's three rotisserie <laughs> chickens so that's so th- that's insane but the level of starving there right now is I'm going to die yeah I'd rather die I, I'm so sorry I don't, I don't have the energy to go find my food and eat my friends i just don't i'm tired i'm well, tired now. i guess that's my question is is coach about to discover a underground cave where all of the animals are imagine all the animals are hiding there also have a bunch of chips with them and, and canned goods and can openers to right open and a gate with like a railway that leads back to the main parts of civilization they were actually under disneyland the whole time <laughs> crazy oh it's like triangle of sadness when they come around the corner and i haven't seen it but i'm sure yeah i have a theory about what you're gonna say so i just feel like don't eat your friends it'll never be worth it food for thought i do think if your friends die you can eat them though but you can't like make it happen anyway sorry john what are you watching we finished mrs davis oh did you like it i wish i liked it more oh bummer it felt like a was it a story well told, or was it a list of questions that were eventually answered? Okay. Um, I can't make up my mind. I think it's a little bit of both, but cool. it didn't hit me as hard as I wanted it to. I guess I'm going to watch the series finale of The Flash. I oh. haven't watched that show in a very long time, but it feels kind of important that the Arrowverse is ending. Is that the last of it all? Yes, because their Superman show they decided was not set in that universe. Okay. Which I think was a mistake. But it like years ago during college, Arrow premiered as the Dark Knight on TV, basically. Yeah. And I think it's really fascinating that this show kind of came out of that time and then had to ride the transition of superhero movies from the Dark Knight to the MCU. And kind of successfully made that jump where 
like in their second season, they started introducing superpowers and it was mildly, it was like a super soldier type serum that drives you crazy. And then midway through that season, Barry Allen shows up for the first time and gets struck by lightning. Uh. And then the next year, The Flash is out and Supergirl is on CBS. And then all of that stuff ends like, there's been some funny Twitter threads recently where it's just, you kind of had to be there. Yeah. But like for a while it was The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow were all in one universe together. And like that wasn't constant. They were not always interacting, but 22 episodes a year where actually Supergirl was technically in a different universe, but oh, this is- she popped over all the time. Right. But like the, that, that's a level of attention to detail with annual crossovers that really increased in scope as they went on. They adapted one of the most legendary comic book events ever which is called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, I remember that. The movies maybe could do it someday. Feels hard. Feels really hard to get there. But the shows knew that they might have the only opportunity to ever do that story. And they had Ruby Rose as Batwoman for a little bit too. Oh my God, I forgot about that. You forgot about that. Yeah, it's it's just a crazy thing that existed for a while. And it really is like, you can watch it on Netflix but everything is saved in its individual shows. And like, you kind of want to watch it as they're all coming out at the same time to get the full effect. So when they have like a crisis on infinite earth, whose show is it? So they'll have an episode of arrow that is crisis part one, followed by an episode of Supergirl that is crisis part two. So like if you're going through like the, the flash on Netflix, you'll find like just, one part of a of a multi-parter in every season. Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. And you have to ha- like pop back and forth. You could also skip it entirely. They are yeah. kind of made that way. Sometimes they have some after effects on the rest of the season, but much like a comic book crossover, they know enough for that not to matter that much. But it is kind of funny where you'll watch the crossovers and start being like, huh, there's a lot more side characters from The Flash in this one. Oh, this is The Flash episode. Right. So they're sense. all regulars on this episode of this of the crossover, but they're not, there will be guest stars in any other episode of the crossover, so they're not in those episodes. How often. long would the like, crisis be? Like how many? Crisis was the longest one. It like, was five parts. Oh, that's a lot. They did three parts and then a break for like Christmas and everything. Yeah. And then the, like, the mid-season premiere of the Arrowverse was the final two parts of Crisis. That's so crazy. But that was the longest one they did. Yeah. It was before it was like three or four parts for Invasion and Crisis on Earth X. It's like multiple hours. Yes. Yeah. And they form a, like they would have formed a special writer's room to do it. That's fun. But it kind of had this impact that Marvel isn't able to accomplish, which is the idea that the event story feels big and upends the story the characters are on. And then they're able to go back to their lives in some sense afterwards. Whereas with MCU stuff, it can often feel like there was a chunk of time that you missed where there might have been a lot of story going on that you'll never know. Probably more emotional character-based filler type stories that I like in my TV shows. And every movie is like the massive event that's going to change the status quo forever. I kind of like the status quo with my superheroes sometimes until it gets upended in some sense. But you want to feel that and the movie franchises can't quite do it like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very ambitious, honestly. Yeah, it was a crazy thing that existed. But I also thought of, it's like one of the guys who created Arrow got upset that James Gunn didn't ask to bring him in to talk to him about this new DC universe. Yeah. And I'm like, buddy, you did it. Right. Congrats. Not... You crossed the finish line. Go home. Go home. Don't think about these people <laughs> yeah, anymore. You, you don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. Did you see the Flash trailer, by the way? 
I've seen the latest one, which is the most Ezra Miller has been in the marketing for it now. Yeah. I think they're getting confident that they it's been long enough out of the news cycle. There's posters everywhere, but every poster has to have both Supergirl and a Batman on it. Yeah. They, none of them is just the Flash standing there. So they won't also let it rest entirely on both of his shoulders. Yeah. It's, it's this frustrating thing. Because it isn't like, oh, do I, do I want to see this movie? Do I want to see Ezra Miller in this movie? This is, the Flash is a character I've loved for a long time. I've wanted to see the Flash movie forever. And the irony is that the Flash movie was announced the same year that the Flash TV show premiered. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was And the Flash show ago. is going to end before that movie comes out. So the Flash, that was when I think we were in high school. Arrow premiered in college. And oh, the so Flash was I like know. a year after that. Okay, so like, yeah, 23 I'm honestly surprised if it's only nine years. 2014, yeah, 2014 was when it premiered. It's so strange, because they're not even adapting a Flash story. They're adapting a crisis story that happened to star The Flash. Okay, so this is like something they've done on the show? (laughs) Uh, uh, They did it on the show in season three. It's called Flashpoint. Okay. Barry runs back in time to save his mom from her death that only became a part of his backstory in the mid-2000s and, like, wasn't part of his story before that. And by doing that, he, like, breaks reality in a number of ways. It doesn't... Not that there's, like, rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. They're just like, uh, yeah, you did that, so now everything's different. Sure. Uh, the Wonder Womans are all fighting against Aquaman's people. They're at war now. That's That's part of it. Cool. And Superman's spaceship landed in Metropolis and like wrecked Metropolis and they keep him in this cell underground oh, and like no. no one's known for, heard of him. And Batman isn't Batman. Batman is uh, Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's dad, who became Batman. Interesting. In the adaptation for the show, they cut out all the other superheroes. Yeah. And it's really, really bad. And in this version, they're replacing Thomas Wayne with Real? Michael, Michael Keaton's Yeah, Michael Keaton's version. Bruce Wayne. It, it's like you want to see that book adapted that you read. It's like you read the book, you want to see it ad- adapted, and then every news story is like the actor playing that character in that book you want to see adapted is a monster, and you're like, but I want to see the book adapted. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> if I if if this movie does well, does that say something about how the American people feel about Ezra Miller? Does it say something about how the American people feel about comic book movies? I don't. I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like the DC you thinks they have a a really good movie on their hands because I don't think that they would be doing this if they didn't believe that. I agree. There's a level of confidence here that is surprising. Yeah. I also think DC movies have been really not a lot of money this year. And so I think in the end, it might be a fine movie that really doesn't do well because of both its star and just the quality of the output from the brand. Yeah, yeah. I did like the Batman, and I'm happy. I know we talked about this before, but that they're going to do more of that kind of a thing. I am looking forward to Joker two. You know, yeah. I didn't love Joker one, right? But I did. I do think it's interesting. You want to know where you can find us? Please. You can find us at on Instagram at the Riverdale Register Podcast. Sometimes you can find me on TikTok at John Madden. And anyway, I'm really excited for next week because we're going to get plot. How fun is that? I love plot. Don't lie to me now. If this turns out to be horny teens next week. <laughs> They're going to always be horny teens. There always have been horny teens. <sighs> anyway, everybody wish Ian Rose a happy birthday. Silently to yourselves, I guess. Over and out, River Vixens.